What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses are helping me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's getting so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, or speak to merchants. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com SPP. That's right. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest, I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast. Conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Chris Stemp here. Thanks for joining us. Today we are talking about how to stop compromising. How to live life on your terms. How to discover that part of yourself that might be missing. And really, our guest puts it best when she said, I help clients learn how to be present. Present for themselves, present for those they care about, present during their lives. And there's a number of ways she does that, and we're going to hear all about it. Today on the show, we have Heather Gray. And Heather is a formally trained certified therapist, you know, did all the schooling, went through everything, and had her own practice, brick and mortar, saw patients. And after a while, I believe it was 15 years or so, she decided she wanted to work with individuals on helping them uncover those parts of their lives that they'd buried down deep, far away so that they could instead live a life that you know society says is okay. And here's what's interesting. So Heather reached out to us via email, and here's what she said. She said, look, I'm a corporate therapist. I'm an executive coach, and I work with everything from C-level executives and all types of other professionals who have all gotten drunk on the mindset Kool-Aid. So, of course, right there, she had me hooked because I'm thinking, wait, I love this idea of mindset, right? And she goes on to say, they got to the top of the ladder, they built their businesses, they found success, only to realize that the success they were chasing isn't as fulfilling as they expected it to be. The money, the cars, the vacations didn't buy happiness. And this is where I was like, yeah, I, I get that. I think everyone knows that. And I actually mentioned that in this episode, and she has an answer for it. And she said, 
these people, these professionals, these executives, these are the type that listen to your show. They follow the mindset rules, but they never learn how to be present in their lives. And that was just so powerful. So I said, okay, what's the secret? And, and that's why we had her on. That's what we're going to hear today. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Heather Gray. You can find out more about Heather at her website, which is choose to have it You can also find out more about us at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Head on over and sign up for the newsletter, sending out good stuff there and always more to come and become part of the insiders club. That's at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Also, we really appreciate if you head on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. It helps others like yourself find the show, and we just like to read them. So thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you are having a great week wherever you are. And for those that need it or want it, we hope this episode helps wherever you are in your journey. Here it is, Heather Gray, as we learn how to choose to have it all. Enjoy. All right, Heather. Well, first, I just want to say thank you so much for being on the podcast, taking time out of your busy day to share your wisdom with us. Oh, Chris, thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. So we've had a chance to get to know each other a little bit. And I want to let the audience know, Heather reached out. She said, look, I don't have a book, but I have this message I'm passionate about. Here's one paragraph on it. And I was like, sold. I love this topic. So I'm so excited to bring it to everyone today. It's this idea of kind of reaching the top and feeling like the view is not at all what you imagined it would be. So tell us in your words, kind of what is the the main premise of the me- uh, the message you want to get out in the world? And then we will just com- go right into it. Sure. Uh, well, I started um, when I started focusing my business as a coach and I had kind of transitioned myself from therapist to coach. One of the things that I realized that w- the people who were finding me most often were the people that should have been happy because they had accumulated success. They had the nice car in the driveway, the good house in the good neighborhood. They were taking the uh, fancy vacations and buying all the things, but there was a so what factor to it at the end. And one of the things that I kind of realized that has gotten lost in the messaging around success is that it doesn't really buy you happiness. And that I think that that's often because people aren't taught how to be happy when they're climbing the ladder for success. So what I ended up doing is working with people who got to the top of the ladder and needed um, some guidance on how to build a life because they built a successful business or they built a successful career but they hadn't quite built a successful life. Don't people know by now that the path to happiness does not exist in a corporate ladder or in a bank account? I mean, don't, do you ever feel sometimes when you're saying this message, you go, gosh, why, why don't people just get it by now? I think they do get it, but there's no proof and no permission out there to to go and take a different path. So it's something they hear about. It's a nice meme they might see on Facebook and they click the like button about being an individual, charting your own path, but they don't see people doing it or they don't see people talking about it or making the compromises that go along with that. So then they create a story for themselves that it can't happen to them, that that's true for everybody else who maybe they're making six figures a year already, but it's not true for them. What about somebody who's sitting out there going, yes, I want it all, right? I want 
the the family and the money and the thing I like. I want to wake up every day, but you are living in an unrealistic world. Or I see these memes and I like them because the thought is good, but let's get back down to earth. What do you, I'm sure you deal with that. What do you say to that person? I, well, what I say is that you're looking at what someone else is defined as having it all. Um, my first question to people, because people ask me that, Chris, they call me and say, okay, fine, you're, you're, you know, you're this mindset person, you're going to teach me how, well, you know, what about, and they push back with that exact thought, because it does sound like pie in the sky. And what I say is that's because you haven't asked yourself what having it all means for you, getting really clear on what it is you want in your life, and what it is you don't want any more of in your life, and getting really specific with your yourself about what having it all would mean for you. Um, and I, I think that's the difference is when people push back at me, they haven't even asked themselves that question of, well, what would I want? They're still subscribing to someone else's definition. All right. This is perfect. Perfect timing. Just yesterday, I was on a plane on my way back from a workshop and I said, I'm going to uh, do a few things. One, I printed off an exercise on define your perfect day. Then I also have this thing of define your morning routine. And then finally define your vision of kind of success and happiness. Right. And there are things I've done a little bit of in the past, but I like, this was the year I'm really going to clarify it. And it was so hard to do. It was so hard to even look at what do I want in the first three hours of my day? And I got into the mindset of, well, do I want this to be my view or this? Do I want to wake up feeling this way, you know, relaxed or excited? So let's start to go through some of that coaching for people listening of, okay, how do I start to get clear? Sure. Um, so one of the things that I say is that the reason why people find it really difficult is because the hater in their head is saying, yeah, what about? So people talk about this miracle morning, right? To start out with like ice water on your face or start <laughs> out with meditation or start out with this. And if you don't subscribe to that and you don't buy into that, that's not going to feel like your personal miracle morning. So what I sort of work with people on is the only way you get clear on your goals is this is if you ignore the hater in your head and the person who says, yeah, but what about? Because you never arrive where you want to land if you're constantly stopping at the obstacles. The answer to getting clear on what it is you want is to be unapologetic and unafraid about it, to name it, to say it. And once you're crystal clear on your vision, then move to the how and you make your vision non-negotiable and then you break it down into steps. People don't land on their goals because they don't know what they want. They don't land on their goals because they've stopped at the first obstacle. Like, oh, sure. Great. Let me meditate for 20 minutes in the morning. But I've got three kids under the age of five in my house. There's no meditation that's going to happen. And they stop themselves from ever really landing on, well, do you want to meditate for 20 minutes in the morning? Because if you do, I'll help you figure it out. How do you feel about if somebody says, what I want is a feeling. So instead of somebody saying, well, what I want to accomplish is X, Y, Z, the amount of money I want to have is X, et cetera. What if somebody comes to you and says, I want to feel confident, happy, and hopeful. 
my first question back to them is, are you willing to give yourself permission to feel those things? Because wanting to feel them and being willing to feel them are often two different things. If you want to be hopeful, if you want to be happy, if you want to be confident, you have to be vulnerable. And you talk about vulnerability here all the time. It's one of the things that attracted me to your show, but it scares the crap out of people. Mm. So like, sure, it's great to feel confident, but that also means you have to be willing to be afraid. Because what if you're wrong? And you have to want to feel that enough to sit in the fear of what if you're wrong. A lot of times people avoid that feeling because they're afraid of the failure of like, well, what if I can't maintain it? What if, what if, what if? Rather than answering back to it and saying, so if I want to be confident, that means I have to start my day thinking about the things that I absolutely nailed, that I got right, and giving yourself permission to acknowledge those successes. So a couple of weeks ago, you talked to somebody about pride. And it's that idea of you have to give your, if you want to be confident, you also have to give yourself permission to feel pride. How about the fact that, you know, you're, you're trained in this and you, you've got degrees, you've been doing this for years. I mean, really an incredible background, but the person who has no idea where to start, so we're going to talk about hiring you as a coach and coaching in general, but what if they say, okay, you know, I know something has to change. I know I'm looking for something and they can't come to the conclusions of really the in-depth thought process you just brought out. Take us through maybe a, I don't know, a, a introductory process that somebody might be able to implement right now in their life. Sure. I usually will ask people where they tripped yesterday Um, because it's a quick like it's a quick reflection on, well, where did it go wrong yesterday? What's the first moment you sighed? What's the first moment you rolled your eyes? What's the first time you thought, oh, God, I'm doing this again? Because usually those moments that we push through, that we white knuckle through or we hold our breath through are the moments in our life that happen so routinely. We have to fix them in order to to get to a better start of the day. So that might mean like, what's like, are you frustrated about this every single day? Are you frustrated about this three times a week? And if you are, what are you willing to do about it or what needs to shift in order to change it? That you just keep dialing in the question until you get to the pain point, like what's causing you the distress? Because if you weren't in distress, you wouldn't be sort of altruistically thinking, hey, I want to change. There's something not working and together we have to get clear on what that is. And that, and I think that one of the ways that a lot of these conversations go wrong, awry a little bit is that there's not always one question that gets you to a specific destination. Sometimes you have to sit in that discomfort of not knowing, of asking a series of hard questions of what's a thing, like when's the time you bit your tongue and you didn't say what you really wanted to say yesterday. What's the time when your feelings got hurt, but you didn't want to admit it. And the more you kind of look at the pain points of the day before, the immediate day before, and you start to do that pretty regularly, you figure out the parts of your life that aren't bringing you the satisfaction that you want. And then we have some place to go. So then my next question would be, and this is something I deal with, and I'm really trying to work through, maybe we'll, we'll crack it right now, is moving away from pain is oftentimes not the answer to your problem, right? Moving away from pain oftentimes is just your inability to uh, deal with the fear 
or it's a maybe a, a, a mental hiccup you have going on. Do you agree with that statement? Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. I agree with it because I think sometimes people stay in pain because they're afraid of wanting more. Um, your original question was like, what if people don't even know what they want? And my story about that is if something's not working, there's a pain point attached to it. If you're not finding a pain point attached to it, then I wonder what's in your head that's telling you, you should have a morning routine. Like, why do you think you need one? What is missing from your life that has told you, wow, a morning routine would really be helpful here? You know, a lot of your message is this idea that question all these things you think you should do. Are they because you actually want them or because somewhere, somehow, some external force convinced you that that's the thing you need to do to become whole? Yes, I, th I think that we're a victim of our own marketing. Absolutely, that that's the message of, you know, like last year, like my office was, uh, last year I was a brick and mortar clinician and I, I moved to the online space over the past 12 to 14 months or so, but I was filled with people coming to my office feeling like personal failures because they hadn't learned to uh, fold their t-shirts the way that the um, <laughs> Japanese writer had talked about organizing your life and everyone was on the mantra of like, if it doesn't hold me, Meaning, let it go. If it doesn't bring you joy, let it go. Um, and it was this idea because enough people in their own circles had talked about it, that that was the thing that should make them happy. When I said is an organized like house, something that makes you personally crazy or like dissatisfied. If, is this something you need? Because that like, you might need to do something different outside of the house. Your problem may not be inside your house, but if everyone's talking about it, then it must be so. And I, I think people buy into the, you know, the latest craze. So let's kind of go back to the main point. I mean, this is what the podcast does. We dance around, but I want to hone in on the idea of, uh, reaching the top of the ladder. And in my mind, hell would be feeling regretful. You know, feeling like, wow, I did all this stuff and now I'm old and whose life was it? Um, if I can say I've done anything well in my life, it's that uh, I haven't done that. So, you know, I quit my job in finance and the, the next job I had was making $9 an hour at a golf course because I said on my deathbed, I want to I want to say I, I, I tried to work in the golf industry, right? And so yes. that, that mindset. So I want to get into this idea of, you know, what you've seen reaching the top of the ladder. You've worked with these people. What are some commonalities? What do you hear from them? Let people, let our listeners in. Sure. Uh, well, there's a couple that come to mind. Um, one is a woman that I talked to um, in the online entrepreneurial space who had created a passive income product, um, and she'd worked on it for over a year. Uh, and the week that it launched, she made $100,000. And everybody was envious. Everybody was asking her how she did it, that she launched on Monday. On Friday, her husband served her with divorce papers and wow. said, you, you seem to care more about your business. And yes, I think I should take the kid and have full custody because you clearly don't want to be a mom anymore. So that is a moment of regret. How the heck did she send that message? 
So last week I was talking to an, uh, a man who had shown up to his son's basketball game and it was like the quarterfinals or it was a it was some sort of championship game. I can't quite recall the details. And after that game, he, you know, kind of went up to give his son a high five and his friends, his son's buddy was there and the, his son's friend said, wow, I didn't know you had a dad. Um, and that's when he decided to call me. Wow. Because he, he had his son, you know, was he was so absent from his son's games and practices that a teammate on his team thought that his mom was divorced. And that's when he, he called me. And those are the times that, like, when you talk about regret, you don't want to wait to get help until you're at the point where your kid says, yeah, dad, you, why'd you come now? You haven't been here all year. You know, my buddy's right. Like, that's awful. And nobody wants to live there. And now, the, like, I got to be honest with you, Chris. Those are the dramatic stories, right? Like, sure. those are the podcast gold moments, right? Yeah. But in regular everyday, what it often looks like is people feeling numbed out. And they have the so what factor. And they go to their jobs and they get that promotion and they get that next paycheck and they go home and they talk to their wives or they talk to their husbands. They kiss their, you know, everybody on the cheek. They say, how was your day? And at the end of the day, at some point, there's this so what factor. And it's not until they hear a podcast where you and I are talking about this or they hear a friend talking about living a different life that they start to realize what you were talking about with regret, that like something sometimes has to trigger the regret. And sometimes it's a slap in the face like divorce papers or a kid who says, don't bother dad coming to the next game. Um, but more often than not, it's those small wake up calls that people have to listen to. What got you interested in this? Um, why, why this message? Um, because my, when I was a therapist, so I, I think I explained to you a little bit earlier, but I was a small town, uh, brick and mortar therapist with a private practice. And, um, one of the things that I was also doing at the time is I was writing and editing for a media company called the good men project. So I was working a lot with men. And one of the things that I found really common is that they had reached a lot of their milestone markers. They got the job, they got the promotion, and they ended up in my office because they weren't happy, but they couldn't even say they weren't happy. They were just kind of numbed out. A lot of the referrals came from doctors because they had hypertension or they weren't sleeping or something was off. And when I sort of pointed out that they were following a path that they thought they should, but never had mindfully chosen for themselves, everything started to change once they started to make those changes. Once they started to say, how do I want to spend my day to day? What kind of job do I want to do? What kind of ways do I want to go on vacation? I'm going to take my vacation time. So many of the men who were seeing me as a therapist weren't using the benefit time that they were given. And it just over and over again with these professionals that I, who were finding me, it was the same theme of fine. I I've, I've got that, that flag. I have that accomplishment but I don't really have a life. And I just got really passionate about this idea that success and happiness don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can't have, like, you can have anything you want. You can't have everything. Yep. So you have to choose it. And this idea of choosing the life you want, deciding it, 
getting really clear on it and then moving to the steps of how to get there just kind of really lights me up because I don't think it's a message that a lot of people say, you know, one of the things that like your listeners probably might be familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Mm -hmm. And he says at one point on a video, the reason why I'm successful is because when everyone else is sitting on a bar stool, I was crushing it in my business. And I always want to answer back to that. But like you, you, you might have had a memory on that bar stool. It might have been you and your buddies watching fantasy football, or it might have been you and your girlfriends having a cocktail talking about like the next adventure you're going to go on. Like, and there was, those memories have value beyond business. But I don't think that my message is getting broadcast everywhere. I don't have Gary Vaynerchuk's income. He has his income because he's you know sort of sharing a different message and a different version of what it takes to be successful than I am. This week's episode is brought to you by Casper Mattress. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Supportive memory foams create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. Casper offers free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Here's the deal for Smart People Podcast listeners. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www. Dot casper.com slash smart and using offer code smart at checkout. That's www.casper.com slash smart and using offer code smart. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to the episode. That was an official goosebumps moment because you threw me there as you went into Gary Vaynerchuk and you said that quote, my ego, the thing, or my old self or whatever that I've been working on for so long had this, this emotion that said, yeah, the people that make it are the ones crushing it in their business. And you know what, Chris, you've never had that kind of work ethic. You never will. And therefore you'll never be the Gary Vaynerchuks. Now, like it just, maybe it wasn't that well thought out, but it was, I felt it right. I'm in tune with myself enough. And then you flipped it. And essentially, this is what you do. This is what your message is. Gave permission to sit on the bar stool instead. Because yes. I, I was the guy that sat on the bar stool. And, and I don't necessarily mean it like that, but I have more friends than a person needs and, and meaningful relationships and family and all that because I maximized that bar stool time. You know, another thing it makes me think of um, Ariana Huffington. She has this whole thing about, um, I don't even know what the, the branding is, but she says, you know, I worked so hard. I passed out. I hit my head on a table. And, and when I woke up and came to, I realized people need to rest and sleep and reprioritize. And that's great. But I always wonder if you ever asked her, would you have the money and the life you want and have right now if you didn't work that hard? Like, I always want to ask her that. 
And I, I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've been on both sides. So at some point in time in my career, I, when I first finished graduate school, I'm, I have a clinical uh, social work degree. And when I first finished school, the thing that lit me up, that made me happy was not having a social life. And I was working in a residential program for troubled teens and I loved what I did. I was obsessed with what I did. I was the Gary Vaynerchuk of social work at the time. I didn't want to see my friends on a Friday night. I wanted to be helping those kids. I wanted to be improving their lives. When that shifted and I started to want a life more than I wanted a job, I made a shift in my life. My story about Gary Vaynerchuk is he's as happy as I am Mm -hmm. because what lights him up is living this life. That's why it's working for him. But what's getting lost in the messaging is like we all have to find out what lights us up because at one point in time, I was lit up working 7 to 11 or 4 to 11 on a Friday at night and then coming in and working 7 to four on a Saturday. I was right where I wanted to be and it made me happy. And if somebody told me that I could be out with my friends because I was a young 20 something and I had a life to live, I would have told them where to go and how to get there (laughs) because I already had the life I wanted. Mm -hmm. Then as I got older and I met my husband, And I wanted to spend time with him too. And I realized that I was choosing a career that was going to require me to be on call on weeknights. It was going to require my weekend time once a month. And suddenly I, I didn't, I had to choose between the thing that lit me up and something else I was really excited about. I had to decide that I wanted a different life. So my story about Ariana Huffington is, and the Gary V's of the world is it's exactly the same for them. At one point in time, it did light them up. But when it doesn't light you up anymore, when it's not the life you want, give yourself permission then to pivot into change. Does that does that make sense? Oh my does gosh, that- it makes more sense than than you know because uh, it's something I've I've dealt with. I mean, when we made this podcast, I remember John and I were in Arizona. We had taken time off. And our, so the time off, I mean, he was taking a sabbatical. I just straight up left at the world, essentially. And we have pictures. One day we might post them of him and I recording our first episodes and editing. We were in a closet, all this stuff. Um, it was like three in the morning. We made our first logo. We, we saw the sunrise. I get, you know, some people are like, how do you work through the night? I never, ever in my life have thought of that as, as work. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what you're saying about the Gary Vee idea or the Huffington or anything like that. Yes, absolutely. Because if it lights you up, then right then in that moment, it's exactly what you want. It's funny. It's so many times like I'll talk to moms who just became uh, moms, right? Like they're new mothers, their babies like six months and everybody's telling them they got to get out of the house. They got to have a date (laughs) night. They have to reconnect with their partner. And so many times they say like, we just want to be with our kid. We waited a really long time to be parents. We don't want a date night. Fine, don't take a date night. But as soon as you decide you're lonely in your relationship or you're missing your partner or couch time between Legos isn't kind of cutting it for the two of you anymore, then make the shift rather than listening to, you know, everybody's lessons learned. Because again, everybody learned their lessons after the fact. Wow. I I think about we're fairly new parents and our son sleeps in bed with us. And it's like such a charged topic. 
my wife would be she would cringe if she knew I just said this to thousands and thousands of people. We love it. People are like, why, blah, blah, doesn't it ruin this part and this part? And we say, uh, I like me, I get home from a trip and it's midnight or whatever. And I go into bed and I just like look at him sleeping and get to sleep next to him. I'm like, there's nothing better than that to me. So don't tell me how to, you know what I mean? He'll leave when we need him to leave, in my opinion. Right. And I think sometimes what happens for people is if we're not charged negatively in a way that causes us that crushing pain, like you were asking, or it doesn't light us up like me working at 1130 at night, trying to put 14 kids to bed, lit me up at one point in time in life, like that middle ground of, you know, somewhere in the middle and it doesn't light us up. I think that's where people get stuck in the change process because the need for change is kind of numbed out a little bit. It does doesn't hurt so bad. It's not that bad until your kid comes to you and goes, Hey dad, why'd you come to this game? You haven't been to any of the others. Mm. Then suddenly you're like, wow, I got to live my life differently. And it takes, it's a challenge for people to be mindful and to check in with themselves around how happy are you? And I always like, if Dr. Phil had a freaking dollar for every single time I've said that, but how, (laughs) how's that working out for you? Right? Like he, you know, he preaches that all the time. And it's true is that like, if we don't get brave and check in with ourselves every once in a while and say, is this the way I want to be spending my days? Is this how I want to be spending? my time, then we never get there. You know, this past weekend, I live in New England and we were snowed in and I'm a bit of a football junkie. People probably would find my material online, read my articles and be like, really you? Um, but it's playoff season right now. I don't know when this episode's going to air, but um, hopefully and I was like, right after the time that the Patriots lose, because God, uh, they don't uh, need to uh, win uh, anymore ever. Uh, we're good. We're good. My boys, my boys. Um, so it's this idea of like, I spent, I watched two and a half games, right? So, So I probably watched about eight hours of the 16 hours of football that were offered to me this weekend. And I was like, oh, man, like I should have been doing X, Y and Z. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that I really enjoyed myself and it was like kind of fun to just waste time because I'm not a waste, a time waster. And for some people like watching that football lights them up so much that it's not a waste of time. They're doing the thing they care most about. For me, my team wasn't even playing. You know how that one is, right? I do. Trust me. That hurts. We didn't even have to play. Um, But I liked being able to enjoy myself. But the challenge is, is I asked myself, did I like that? Was it worthwhile? Am I happy with how I spent my time? And there were two things that I really did want to get done this weekend and I didn't get them done. Mm -hmm. So then with equal measure, I can't just you know, therapy my way out of that, I have to hold accountability and I have to say, well, come on, like, did you, could you not have done those two things while watching football? Or did you really have to watch games that your team isn't even involved in and hold a little bit of accountability? And the challenge for all of your listeners here is how do you hold both? How do you hold the things you want to do, the things you have to do, the things you didn't do, and the things you should have done? And holding both with equal importance rather than, I think, what happens for a lot of people is just the, wow, did I really spend 10 hours watching football this weekend? You're stealing questions from me because that is the the challenge. I mean, 
this idea again your your branding behind you know choose to have it all and we we even talked prior about some of the things you uh, have encountered working with millennials myself being kind of on the verge of millennial we get this a lot is you think you deserve things you're owed things and all that and i think sometimes that's valid but sometimes that's not fair we just grew up in a time where you could have it all and so we thought it should happen and we expect that as opposed to you know baby boomers or whatever depression era where they're like no you can't and you don't deserve it so when you put this message out there that like look check in with yourself if it's not working for you change pivot it sounds great but it's hard work how do you go about defining that and and saying you can but here's how to do it I think a little bit of it is, is yes, it's hard work. Uh, so, so is everything else you've ever wanted getting promoted to the business you wanted at the level you achieved. That wasn't easy. It was hard work and you had to do it. And it's giving yourself permission to work hard, just as hard for yourself and to say like, okay, like, hard work. Is that a reason to stop? Just the same thing. Cause the hard work question can also sometimes be masked as fear or anxiety or what if I fail? What if, so it's like, all right, like you're afraid. So, um, you know, I worked with a client recently and I was like, wow, I'm really going to get myself in trouble here. Cause she told me she was waking up with a stomach ache every morning. And I said, you should be waking up with a stomach ache every morning. Cause you're not living the life that you've defined for yourself that you want. So I'm glad you're stuck it hurts and it shouldn't stop hurting until you start making the changes that get you to the life you want. And it's not the most empathic response, but I do think it's the most honest that sometimes those stomach aches and sometimes those pain points are our conscience. And sometimes we don't listen to our conscience and we should, because it's telling us you're about to skirt left or right of center. You're going away from who you want to be and how you want to move through the world. Red flag, red flag, red flag, pay attention here. Stop. And we have to listen to those rather than, you know, sort of Pollyanna our way through the moment. This brings me back to that idea of people are checking in. They're seeing how they feel about certain things. What if you have spent so much time tuning that out? And I think a little bit of it is recognizing what's working for you and what isn't. Because the reality is, is that sometimes I think our what ifs um, are protecting us. Um, sometimes they're helping us just numb out. The only way you really figure it out is by making the mistake. And you're trying to prevent a mistake by in asking that question, that's what essentially you're asking is, oh, I don't want to regret something. I don't want to be wrong about it. Is that the fear I should have listened to? Or is that the fear mm. I should have stopped? You actually just have to make a decision and do it and see what happens because it's your experience, your personal experience that's going to give you that answer. So for example, a, a different podcast example where, you know, when I just started out as an online person and I was trying to get my my message to as many people. I just kept saying yes to everything, right? Because that's what we're told to do. Just say yes. I preach it to my clients all the time. So I ended up on this show with this guy whose message had nothing to do with what I wanted to say. I didn't like him at all. <laughs> like goosebump moments. He like, you know, like gave me the wrong kind of goosebumps. Right. I was completely creeped out. And I realized like, no, you can't just say yes. You have to also ask yourself, does this 
align with your vision? Does this help you get your message out to the people you want to hear it? Because saying yes doesn't matter. Sometimes you end up talking to a really creepy dude. Like I, I can't decide that in the chair of my office from the comfort of my, you know, my workspace. I have to try it out and then go, oh, lesson learned. Maybe you start reaching out to the shows that you're already listening to instead of the random guy who asked you. One of the scary parts about your message, though, is ownership. It's Franklin Covey. It's the it's the first uh, habit in the seven habits, which is be proactive. It's take responsibility for not just your actions, but your outcomes. And what you say is, look, like you design it. If you want to say no, say no. If you want to say yes, say yes. Um, if you want a morning routine, have one. If not, like it's so listen to yourself, which is the ultimate message, in my opinion. And I've been through a lot in the past decade to to get me to that conclusion. So I'm all in with you. But it's terrifying. Giving permission to people to listen to themselves, even in and of itself, it takes out of our evolutionary need to to be part of the tribe. So to answer that a little bit is because I, I think that there's another part of it. I don't think the message just ends at listen to yourself or push through the fear. I think a missing part of this is that we don't allow ourselves to take ownership of the things that we do know, the things that we've gotten right, the things that we excel at. So for example, you know, like for me to say out loud, like, hey, by the way, I've had a couple of viral articles. Like, uh, you know, you might not know me from podcasting world, but some people who read regular blogs might know me from the blog world. Like I have to be able to own and recognize for myself that I've done that, that I've achieved it so that when I'm speaking back to the fear, I can actually provide examples and own our successes. The reason why people are so afraid is because that's the only thing they're holding in their hand. They're not also holding the times they've absolutely positively nailed it, gotten it right. The perfect person, perfect circumstance at the perfect time. So I was at a, you know, a stop and shop, which is a local grocery store recently. And this woman had this PTSD reaction because something had fallen really um, loudly onto the floor from a high shelf. And she had kind of fallen to the ground and covered her head. I went right up to her and explained to her, ma'am, that was really scary. And I knew to get on her, you know, at her height. So I got on the floor with her. I knew to speak in a low volume. So I lowered my voice. I knew not to touch her. So I didn't touch her. I told her who I was and I walked her through all of the steps of what had happened. You got really scared. It probably sounded like something that you may have heard in your past, but you're okay. You're safe. You're here in Massachusetts. We're sitting on the cereal aisle and I grounded her and I got her to her car safely. I was the perfect person at the perfect moment. And if that sounds too cocky, if that no, sounds, sounds too beautiful. confident, I'm okay with that because someday I'm going to be looking at some podcast, some group, some situation in front of me. And I'm going to say, who the heck do I think I am to be doing this right now? And I'm going to remember the time I was the perfect person for the perfect situation and a random grocery stop. And I'm just going to be able to do it because I've done it before. Wow. That is a fantastic story. And it takes 
a certain skill set that you had built up, you know? And I think that's a great place because we're running out of time here. Give us a little, uh, a little bit of an idea of where can people find you? What do you do? What's your specialty? How do you work? You have a very strong brand. Feel free to kind of go into that. Sure. Uh, so you can find me at choose to have it all.com and it's, uh, an entire online coaching business. Um, I do work locally with folks. Um, I'm in the Wakefield mass area. If they want to still come to my office, they're welcome to, but I work with stuck professionals who have their lives and they're kind of running on autopilot. And they're either that guy who had the sucker punch to his gut when his kids said, don't come to basketball, or they're the people who just had the wake up call either because they listened to a podcast like this, or because the message got across to them a couple of times, hey, there's more to life. And I help people figure out what's missing in their lives. And I teach the steps that are required to get it. So it's, it's kind of like what you and I have done in this show is we talk about the big picture, and then we break it down into the baby steps of how and the questions to ask. Um, and then through actual when it's individual coaching, and I'm not talking to a larger audience, it's far more personalized with the specific steps that they need to take given the situation in their life. So it's not Nambi, Pambi, Kumbaya, you can do it. It's okay. <laughs> you know, given the fact that you have X amount of debt, given the fact that your wife also works, your husband also this, or you're, you know, not in a relationship and you want to be, um, this is how given your situation, how to get there. And I offer a more personalized one-on-one -on -one approach. I'm not a group coach. I, I primarily do one-on-one -on -one coaching with folks on the issue of choosing happiness. And my message around that is that a lot of people who find me already have a little bit of buy-in or they want to have buy-in to this idea of choosing happiness, but they have no idea how. So that's where I come in, is I help them with an outside perspective, challenge some of the thinking errors and limiting beliefs that they're carrying around in their heads or the stories they've made up, question them, poke a ton of holes to them so we can write a better ending. Typically, this is where I would end it. But that opened up one question that I think would be really powerful. And it's if the message is, you know, choose to be happy, choose happiness. And a lot of people you work with are ones that, as you said, you know, believe that to some extent. Why is it so hard for us to do that? And why do we need a coach to help us get there? Because I, I don't think we know what we don't know. It's it's fine to believe it, but when life punches us in the gut and we suddenly are facing something we weren't expecting, believing and choosing happiness and knowing how to do it are two different things. And sometimes we just need an outside perspective to challenge some of our thoughts. It's not that you can't coach yourself. Uh, we've all coached ourselves. How many times do we wake up in the morning and go, oh my God, I don't want to go to work or this holiday season just passed. Oh my God, I don't want to go here. Oh, do we really have to go to this obligation? And you coach yourself through it and you get yourself there in the moments where you get stuck. And even though, you know, it's not happening, that's when you get a coach because the coach is going to help you figure out what's the missing piece here. What do you need to know? What's the resource you don't have? How do we get you that? And how do we get you to where you want to go? I love it. Heather, again, this has been fantastic. I love every second of talking with you. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. This was fantastic. I hope you have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. 
Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Heather Gray. You can learn more about Heather and Heather's work at choosetohaveitall.com. Go check it out. All right. So for those of you that have stuck around in this outro, some quick housekeeping stuff for you. If you're looking for easy ways to support the show, please don't forget about the Amazon link located at smartpeoplepodcast.com slash Amazon. And if you're looking for other free and easy ways to help out the show, you can always head over to iTunes, rate, review, comment over there and subscribe if you haven't done so already. If you're looking to stay up to date with all things Smart People Podcast, head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Sign up for the newsletter over there. We've got some great interviews coming up, and we will see you all next episode. <laughs>